0: This is the Catering Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 21st, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Occupational licensing remains a massive hurdle for many people who have skills but don't want or need to go through expensive and time-consuming certification. It has implications for economic growth going forward. Lisa Nepper and Jennifer McDonald are co-authors of the new edition from the Institute for Justice, License to Work. We spoke last week. Five years ago, uh, the Institute for Justice did this study, uh, License to Work. This is the second edition. So what's changed?
1: Unfortunately, very little. Uh, The picture still looks pretty bleak for licensing and lower-income occupations. Uh, There are too many licenses. They're overly burdensome. They often look irrational and arbitrary.
0: This does not look at all the same occupations that you did the last time, but but the the burdens for most of these occupations, they simply have not changed. There's really no movement?
1: Not a lot of movement, no. We're looking at about 102 lower income occupations. These are things like cosmetologist, auctioneer, athletic trainer, landscape contractor. Uh, the, the list of 102 changed slightly from the first to the second edition. It's, it's not a huge change. Um, but overall, what we found was breaking into these 102 occupations across all all the states and the District of Columbia takes on average nearly a year of education or training, passing one exam, and paying more than $260 in fees. That is a lot of time and effort spent trying to earn a license instead of earning a living.
0: It's interesting because the uh, there's more than just the time and energy you're putting into the license itself because uh, sometimes you're because you're you're not working, you're not out earning money, that's and that's right. that's another burden that people don't really maybe don't think about. I mean, it's certainly a burden of going to college is that you aren't earning money in addition to devoting time and energy to uh, getting this uh, certificate.
1: Absolutely, there are a whole host of indirect costs that we're simply not able to capture in a report like this. There's the cost of tuition, uh, which you know for college. Is ever on the rise, but even for trade school, I mean, getting uh, uh, getting licenses to cosmetologist can take up to twenty thousand dollars in in cosmetology school fees. That's a hefty chunk of change, and then it is it's the time that you're you're not out in the workforce and that you're not earning a living. Uh, so there's a whole host of indirect costs that. Uh, really are on top of the burdens that we're recording here in License to Work.
0: So when it comes to uh, who benefits from the the burdens that exist, there is, I think, I hope, there is some debate about whether it is actually the incumbent practitioners or the schools that or the uh, people who are providing the training that are actually churning these students through in order to attempt to get the licenses.
2: Right. As well as the current practitioners who are already in the occupation, so by requiring these licenses, they are able to keep out competitors who would otherwise more easily enter, and so they can keep their prices high, and they are less incentivized to increase their quality of service.
0: Well, what about the schools? It seems that that how much how much do they play into this?
2: It's a huge
1: factor, and uh, you know when you see licensure, or licensure reform bills in in legislatures, it's often. The schools, it's the schools that teach interior design or that teach cosmetology that rally their students or that rally their faculty to head down onto the legislature and uh, lobby to keep that license in place. It is a classic public choice story of concentrated benefits for a few, those in the occupation and those who benefit from the man from selling the mandated training against the dispersed costs that consumers pay in terms of higher prices and really those invisible costs of the people who never get to enter the occupation.
0: So what are some of the occupations that are um, licensed in the fewest states, which I assume is a decent proxy for doesn't need to be licensed?
1: Well, so everyone's favorite example is florist licensed only in the state of Louisiana. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we haven't seen outbreaks of floral-related disasters in the other 49 states or the District of Columbia. Uh, There's also Interior Designer, which is licensed only by three states and D.C., and yet is the single most difficult occupation to break into where it is licensed in our study. It takes roughly six years of a combination of education and training so usually <clears throat> usually that's a bachelor's degree uh, and and then some time spent apprenticing, so about six years of education training, um, more than a thousand dollars in fees on average across those four jurisdictions, uh, and you have to pass an exam. And so it is the single most difficult occupation to break into among those that we studied.
0: What is a packer? I notice this because it's licensed in six states, seemingly randomly. <laughs> uh, one of those states is my home state of Kentucky.
1: So a packer is somewhat what it sounds like. It's somebody who packages goods. Now, this license is actually looking at what it takes to run a packing business, and it looks like most of those uh, requirements in those six states are are basically registration requirements. So the government wants to know who you are, where you are, and what occupation that you're engaged in. Uh, this can be a way for uh, consumers to... You know, file an action against somebody who is, I don't know, packed something improperly or engaged in fraudulent practices, something like that. So it's a lesser form of, of regulation, but it's it's still a barrier nonetheless. Okay.
0: So now with respect to um, registration, I mm-hmm. spoke with one of your co-authors, Dick Carpenter, about this a while back, and he offered, uh, I think uh, ill-advisedly, that registration is an al- a good alternative to licensing, but I don't really I necess- I can agree that it's better, but I don't agree that it's good.
1: Well, so here's the thing. There are lots of less restrictive alternatives to licensure. Uh, they are either uh, less burdensome like registration. Um, where you simply have to file some paperwork with the government, indicate who you are, where you are, what you're doing, um, and usually pay a small fine. That is clearly far less restrictive than getting an interior design license in the place where where that's licensed, and so that is an improvement. Still, and so and one of the things that we're advocating is moving more and more licenses in that direction toward less restrictive regulations. That doesn't mean that we should just be imposing regulations willy nilly. There's still a a question, a threshold question of is there a baseline level of public harm that is well established with concrete evidence, not just anecdote and not just hypothetical? That's easy to come up with, right? So is there concrete evidence that there's really a problem in this occupation? And then what is the very least restrictive regulation that we can impose? That least restrictive regulation is never going to be licensure. Licensure is the most burdensome and most restrictive way to regulate the way that we work.
0: The difficulty for researchers like you uh, has been, as 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 I've seen it sort of on the edge of this, is that... You find an occupation that clearly shouldn't be licensed, but it is. Uh, teeth whitening being one example. Um, you license that this occupation, and then you do a bunch, uh, a lot of leg leg work, trying to discover whether it causes any harm at all. You discover that not licensing it doesn't really cause any harm, and then you try to get rid of that license. Well, you've got a hundred and two of those here in fifty states. <laughs> And that seems to be a particular challenge. So, moving from uh, that state of affairs to trying to get a, a sort of a comprehensive picture of these things ought to be licensed for the following reasons: there are clear uh, harms that we can find to people not being licensed. How do we get to get to that? I
1: right, mean, so this is the next frontier. Right. This is where we need to be headed as a country if we care honestly about the right to earn an honest living and free choice of occupations. Uh, it's hard to get there. It's not where we have been. The whole reason that we have this bizarre patchwork quilt of occupational licensing laws that we see across the country is because they haven't been adopted for good reasons. They have been adopted at the behest of industry interests seeking protection from the government and protection from competition. So what it requires is taking a a hard analytical evidence-based look at the way that states are licensing occupations and asking for each one, why are we doing this? Is there evidence that we really do need to be doing this? Can we notch it down to something that's less restrictive?
0: And the burden ought to be on the people who want to create the license. Bingo.
1: That's exactly right. That is precisely where the burden should be. And too often it hasn't been. That's why we are where we are.
0: What's the economic case for uh, getting rid of all these licenses?
2: Morris Kleiner actually did some really interesting research on that. So he found that there are certain levels of hidden taxes that households pay when there are these occupational licenses. And so it's it's not just the workers who are left out of their occupation. It's consumers who pay higher prices for their goods and services that end up paying more than they otherwise would. And so I think the average is somewhere around $1,000 nationwide.
0: $1,000 a year per, per house- household. Per household. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a huge amount of money.
1: Mm-hmm. To a lot of people, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and in terms of uh, mobility of workers – what does that – what's the impact there? So this is a huge problem.
1: Uh, you have a license in one state and you move to another state and that state doesn't recognize it. Or you don't have a license and you're practicing freely and probably even doing a good job and you move to a new state and they demand a license. that occupation and now you are out of luck. So what licensing often does is it erects barriers at state borders saying, doesn't matter how qualified you are, we are basically going to shut you out. This is a big problem and uh, we argue that the first thing we should be doing is asking, do we need that licensing barrier in the first place? And if not, it should go. The mere fact that somebody is practicing safely and satisfying consumers Elsewhere is a pretty good tip-off that maybe we don't really need this license.
0: What about a, a sort of a liability insurance as a replacement for licensing? I mean, we, our driver's licenses, uh, we can have a driver's license. But in order to drive and actually do that thing, we have to carry some insurance for liability. And that's everybody.
2: Right. And that's an excellent option because it protects Potential harm that people see that could come from the occupation, but it's not assuming that there are things that have to be uh, protected by government regulation.
0: But that would be a burden to entry for people in a field.
2: It would be, but it's considerably less burdensome than an entire license.
0: And the certifying authority, if you can't get insurance, well then, perhaps there is a good reason that you – shouldn't be doing that job.
1: That's exactly right. And so, yeah, that is, that is uh, one of the alternatives to licensure that we talk a lot about. And, and we see this actually in practice. There are places that license tree trimmers. There are other places that merely require them to carry liability insurance. There are places that license auctioneers. There are other places that merely require them to carry insurance so that if a consumer is defrauded, they have an avenue of recourse. So this is a far less restrictive way. And, it, and we see it work in practice.
0: All right. Is there – what's the best story of where occupational licensing is being reduced? Mm. I see puzzled looks aimed <laughs> at me. Is it, is it just it, things are not moving? Like things – there's a broad recognition. Of course, uh, this report – or the previous edition of this report had been widely cited even in the, the corridors of power that this is a, a real – problem that needs to be dealt with, but is are there any states that are taking a serious look at, at getting rid of uh, licenses in a, in a broad way?
1: There are states that are looking at it. So Mississippi adopted a reform last year that it wasn't targeted at getting rid of particular licenses, but it was designed to reform the way that the state oversees licensed occupations and adopts licensing rules. And it was addressing the problem that uh, – Licensing boards almost invariably dominated by members of the licensed profession who have every – reason to try to limit competition, adopt all kinds of anti-competitive rules and regulations, like trying to regulate teeth whiteners as dentists, for example. So Mississippi was responding to this saying, look, we're going to take a lot of that regulatory authority away from boards. We're going to have a council of of, uh, other folks in the state government who have to approve their actions to make sure that we're not adopting licensing rules that are are purely anti-competitive. So that's one approach. There are other states, Arizona is starting to look at at its licensing regime and the governor is trying to take a, a cold, hard look at the occupations that are being licensed there. So we're starting to see some some real efforts in that direction.
0: Do lawmakers respond to – what arguments do they respond to? Is it the economic argument? Is it uh, that you, we just want to let low-income people work?
2: Everybody wants their constituents to be able to work and particularly those people who are of modest means that really need to be able to get a job. Lawmakers are – really trying to open up avenues for those people. But it's hard in the face of these special interests that argue oppositely.
1: I think it's also – lawmakers are also responding to this idea of alternatives, Uh, this notion that, you know, it's the classic case of feeling like we have to do something. And too often the something has been going straight from unregulated to licensure. And when you offer alternatives that are less restrictive – that can look a lot more attractive.
0: Lisa Nepper and Jennifer McDonald are co-authors of the new edition of License to Work from the Institute for Justice. Subscribe to and rate the Keto Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Keto Podcast.